And uh, uh, we're going to continue on in a series today that we call, Who Do You Think You Are? Just did the introduction of this series last week. What we're talking about in this series is our identity in Christ, who we are in Christ. And it's so important for us to know that identity in order to experience the full and abundant life that Christ has for us. And, uh, you know, in our introduction last week, I said that um, the enemy is sort of the author of identity theft. We tend to think of that as a fairly new thing, but but he's been at it for thousands of years. And he wants to steal away from you who you are in Christ so that you don't have the kind of life that you can have in Christ. So we're going to talk today about what it means to be chosen and how that impacts us on our journey. A couple of bad jokes. I like this one, but nobody else has. Uh, I believe, we've been watching Westerns, Alice and I, I believe a lot of conflict in the Wild West could have been avoided completely if cowboy architects had just made their towns big enough for everyone. Now, I have to explain it. You know, like the line in everything is, this town's not big enough for the both of us. <sighs> okay. Then, then this other one is, you know, I've decided that I probably shouldn't refer to my dental appointments as cavity searches. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. Scripture reading here on purpose before it gets out of control. Ephesians 1, (laughs) verses 1 through 4. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. Blessed be the word of the Lord. We're going to talk about that passage in a moment. Before we do, just as a reminder, last week I said sort of the underlying verse for this series is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And so part of our identity is understanding that in Christ we are new creations and that what's got to happen is we've, we've got to start walking that out and yielding to the power of the Holy Spirit and not listening to the lies of the enemy. So that's sort of undergirding this whole thing and, and then we're going to be adding to what uh, God says about who we are in Him and what that looks like. So first thing today, point number one, you are chosen you are chosen. Ephesians 1.4 says He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. Now, I'm not sure what goes on uh, in your minds when you hear or think about that word chosen and what it means to you. For some, it sort of uh, almost immediately kicks off a, theo- a theological debate where it's about, you know, has, what does that mean that God has chosen some people and not others? It becomes this theological thing. For others, when they hear the word, um, what they sort of immediately think about is a time then when they were chosen for something that was good. Maybe they were chosen for a team or they, had, they were chosen to have a part in a play and it's a very good thing. For others, maybe they remember being chosen for something less pleasant, like chosen to go clean out the garage or uh, chosen to go pull weeds. It has a little different impact. 
Um, but but um, when you say the word, so a lot of things can pop up in your minds. Could be a theological thing, could be a practical thing, could be a good thing, a bad thing. What I want to do is just talk about what the Bible says about being chosen. And in that verse, the other thing that comes up is, you know, I want to say to you that, that God has a plan for you and has had a plan for you before the creation of the world. And our response to that plan is, is what, how we tie into it. Let me, let me put it this way. Uh, we're invited into this plan and, and we, we have to respond to the invitation. And there's a parable in Matthew 22 where uh, Jesus uh, it talks about all these people that are invited into this banquet. And, and they're all invited, but not very many people come. And at the end of it, he says in verse 14 of Matthew 22, for many are called, but few are chosen. Uh, and in the NIV, it says, for many are invited, but few are chosen. It works both ways. So the calling or the invitation for the kingdom of God uh, comes through the gospel, the good news, which is preached to everyone. Whenever we talk about the gospel, which is all the time here in the good news, I want to make sure you know the verses, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the good news. That's the gospel message. That's what people have to hear and respond to in faith to uh, move into the kingdom of God, out of the darkness and into the light. It's that response by faith that Christ has died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He defeated death and rose again. And, and so our response to that, that invitation is significant. So, so we decide if we're going to respond to the invitation or not. When you respond to that invitation, you are chosen in him. It's a very interesting thing. So you respond to the invitation, and then you're chosen in him. That's why our verse says, if you read it, we are chosen in him. We're chosen by responding to the invitation of the gospel. Um, his choosing of you isn't based on your abilities or your talents or anything that we bring to the table. And that's different than what we're used to. Because most of us have this thought that when we're chosen for something, it's absolutely for what we bring to the table. Like if you were to uh, go to a job interview and, you know, you couldn't type and you can't answer the phone, you can't use a computer and you're not good with people and you're applying for a, a job in human resource, good chance you're not going to get it. Uh, that's not what they're looking for. Um, so, so we're very used to these things being based on our abilities and our talents. But in the kingdom, it doesn't work that way. Um, in the kingdom, uh, he chose you in Christ based on nothing but his love and his grace towards you. So we have to begin to understand that in the process. So I was thinking this week, uh, Friday, Alice and I were um, watching an interview on Facebook Live. And the interview happened to be, Doug was on Facebook Live, my son Douglas. And, and uh, we're, we're very blessed with our kids. They've been here, they were both born here in this church and raised in this church. And now there's, we have seven grandkids as well and spouses, and it's very cool. Um, but most of you see Douglas, you know what he does. Uh, well, uh, you may not know this, that he's, um, he's been doing some innovating lately in a lot of the sound and, and audiovisual stuff. And the, our cameras, uh, he's been working with the people who produce and make our cameras, developing some software with them that allows them to be controlled uh, remotely by what's happening in the music. 
It's a, it's a really significant thing. It's very cool because so they're being moved by musical cues that, that he's worked with. And he had this idea and he's worked with this company to develop it and it's, it's working. That's what they're doing now. So they wanted to interview him to talk to him about how it came about and what was going on. So there was this 30-minute interview with the people from this company with Doug and and so Alice and I were watching. It was very cool. We were very excited about it. And he was doing great. Lots of questions coming through. And people were shooting questions over, you know, very technical things. And, and Alice is watching this. And she says to me, move over. I want to type in a comment. I need to say, he's so handsome. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you can't do that. This is pretty big deal. No, no, it's going to be okay. And I, I said, no, we're not going to, I'm not going to let you type. He's so handsome. Just trust me on this. So I tell him later what his mom wants to do. He's, Thank you for not letting her do that. So, um... So, you know, there's a a picture of his uh, 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 gifts and abilities and talents being used significantly, but his his, um, being chosen for the kingdom isn't based on any of that stuff. It's it's just because God loves him and and, and wants him in the kingdom. All right. So we need to understand that, that, that we're chosen, and it's not based on what we do or what we bring to the table. It's based on his love and his grace. With that in mind, though, you need to know, secondly, that you're chosen for a purpose. You are chosen for a purpose. It's right there in Ephesians 1.4. He chose us in Him before the creation of the world, here it comes, to be holy and blameless in His sight. We're chosen to be holy and blameless in His sight. So we're chosen to do something. And here's where it sort of gets off track a lot of times, is that people go, well, this is a big works thing, and it's not at all. He chose us to be holy and blameless in His sight. At some level... You need to tie that into one of the concepts we talked about last week when we talked about salvation. And I said, when you come to Christ, you're justified. And then the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you and you're being sanctified. And when we're with Jesus uh, full on, we're glorified. That that salvation is these three things. So when you're justified, which happens when you come to know Christ as your Savior, um, He chooses then to see you. He's seeing you in the perfection of His Son. So you need to understand at some level... Um, When we come to Christ, He's already seeing us as holy and blameless. And part of this whole process is just catching up and then living that out before Him. But the church historically has done not a great job at at explaining holiness. Because what they've tend to do is make a list of things that you don't do if you want to be holy. That's generally what happens. If if you're going to be a holy person, you don't do this and you don't do this. And you don't do this. But that's not how the Bible teaches us about holiness. Uh, it, it never gives us a, this don't do list. Uh, the ideal of holiness in the Bible, it's really tied into relationship with God and with others. It's really about walking this life out, trying to do the next right thing, loving God, loving others, yielding to the Holy Spirit and walking in the power that He has for us in this life. But to, to be able to really grasp our identity, we, we have to understand how all these things tie together. So I, I want to talk about holiness, and we're going to look back in Leviticus chapter 19, way back in the Old Testament, first couple of verses, I'm going to read them to you, Leviticus 19, 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Whenever I read that part, when it's, I always want to sort of, for some reason, I want to be holy, for I, the Lord, am holy. I don't know if you ever take scripture that way, but 
I kind of think, well, maybe that's what it would be like. And, it, and if you read it like that, it kind of makes you want to run for the, you know, I should be dressed, you know, wearing robes and behind some stained glass or whatever. But, and, and you think, here it comes. Here comes a list of things we're not supposed to do so that we can be holy as he is holy. In the very next verse, he, God says this, each of you must respect his mother and father. Now, you, you say, what's going on there? Well, here's what's going on. As he's starting to talk about holiness, what he starts to talk about, first thing you got to do is you got to make sure you're loving your family because that's a big part of this whole deal. And so it's not a bunch of rules. It's, you know, I want you to know that a big part of this is loving your family. And then in a couple verses down, he says, oh, and by the way, when you're harvesting your fields, because they were all farmers, don't harvest all the way out to the edges. You got to leave some of it unharvested. And you would think, well, what in the world's that got to do with any of this? And it's my land. Why can't I harvest it? Because God is saying, listen, strangers are probably going to come by and they're going to be hungry and there needs to be food for them. So you just don't need to take it all for yourself. He's teaching us about what holiness really looks like. You harvest most of it, but you leave some for some of the other folks that are coming through. And as he's saying that, he says, oh, and, and you know, by the way, don't oppress your neighbor and don't, don't steal from him and don't, you know, uh, don't oppress him in any way. Don't rob from him. Uh, don't do injustice to one another in court or anything. Don't slander people. By the way, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And all of that's there in Leviticus 19. This whole picture of holiness is about how we relate to God and others. And he says, I want you to do it this way because I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt. Now, we've talked about the Exodus here a lot, and you need to have that because, it, you know, the Exodus theme runs throughout the Scripture. And he says, listen, because I brought you out of Egypt and I, I treated you in a certain way, what I want you to do is I want you to reciprocate that love and relationship to other folks. So, so when we're talking about our identity, it's not we're doing things that we can check off. Well, I don't do that, and I don't do that, and I don't do that, so I'm holy. God wants you to start to get this whole thing of identity. It's, it's really got this backwards deal to it. See, the reason that you're not doing the things that you shouldn't do is because you know that God loves you. And you just want to return or, or reflect that love that you're receiving to the world around you. And God says that's what it looks like to be holy. He says you're doing it because you understand what He's done for us. He delivered us from Egypt. He delivered us from bondage. He, he delivered us from oppression. He saved us and He brings us into the promised land. They say, so, so what I want you to do is keep that in mind and then mirror those very ideas to everybody that you encounter. Paul says in, in these verses, what he's saying is, listen, listen, God's got a team and He, he chose you and He chose me to be on that team. And the team that he chose us to be on is a team that goes out and loves everybody always. It's not the team that goes out and tells everybody how bad they are and criticize them. It's not the team that guilts people into doing things that they want them to do. Uh, it's not the team where that checks off the list and say, I've got all these things done now, so here we are. It's a team that says, you know what? We were trapped. We were in bondage. We were stuck. We were dead in our trespass and yet Jesus has made a way for us to have life now and forever. And, and what he's asking us to do, he's chosen us for something, and that's that we'll mirror back the very things that he's done for us into the world around us that will reflect his love and his movement into the people that we encounter. So that's the idea that he's looking for in us because that's where we experience life because we're to be bearing fruit that will last. That's point number three. So here, here, what he wants us to do is get a hold of this idea of our, our identity in Christ, who we are in him. 
As we do that, then we're not running around anymore trying to do everything in our own strength. We're not trying to earn anybody's favor, God's favor, anything else or perform. We just sort of settle in the idea that, that He's done these amazing things in us because He loves us. And when we start to settle in that, we begin to experience a peace that passes understanding. It's different than what people who don't know Him experience. And it allows us to um, move through this life differently than other people. Uh, We're at rest because we're not running around all the time trying to put fires out, but we can be about the Father's business. And, And when you sort of settle into that zone, that's when you're experiencing abundant life. And that life impacts the world around you for the kingdom of God. People see that and they're drawn to that life. There's a passage I want to read you out of John chapter 15, verses 12 through 7. Jesus talking, says, it's, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. Now, just as an aside, there's something fascinating about this passage of Scripture that might help you as you continue to read the Bible. Something goes on here that's a literary technique that happens from time to time in the Bible. It's actually called an inclusio. But what happens if you look at verse 12, it says, my command is this, love each other. And then you look at verse 17, this is my command, love each other. What happens in this technique is that everything in between those two verses which say the same thing is a definition of that thing. So Jesus defines what that looks like in the process. How do you love each other? You lay down your life for your friends. Um, you're, you're, if you do what I command, you're, 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 uh, you're my friends. You're, you're no longer called servants because you're, you're about uh, uh, you know, the things that I've showed you to do. And you're, you're just yielding to the Spirit in the process. And then this whole concept of being chosen pops up. You didn't chose me. He said, I, I chose you and I've appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. See, he's, he's called us to go out and make a difference in the world. Now, here's, here's the, the amazing thing. It's not a big works thing. It's really just yielding to the Holy Spirit, understanding who we are in Him, settling in that process, and then living this full and abundant life. As we live this life that way, it impacts people around us. They're drawn to it. And when people come to know Jesus, that's fruit that will last. And, and that's how we're supposed to be living this thing out. That's, that's the difference with us. And, and that's our, you know, our purpose is part of our mission is part of who we are. And it's all about really just yielding to the Holy Spirit and then living who we already are in Him. It's, we got to get away from the rule following and just start really listening to the Lord and yielding to the Holy Spirit as we walk this thing out. And it's amazing how life changes when you do that. You just settle down and start to listen. Make sure your relationship with Him, you're engaged with Him, you're, you're reading your Word, you're, you're praying. And then as you move through the day, don't, don't compartmentalize. Just you know, open yourself up and listen for what He would have you do and where He would have you go and things He would have you, you know, say. And He moves into those things and it makes this huge difference not only in your life, but in the lives of people around you. 
And, and so that's what he's asking us to do, to, to just settle in who we are in him so that we can experience an amazing life. And the amazing life that we experience impacts other people so they can experience an amazing life as well. So we'll be talking more about that, and we're going to continue on in, in who we are and our identity. We're going to talk next week about how much God loves us and what that does and what that looks like. But we'll pick it up there next week. That's enough for this week. Ministry team, those of you here, why don't you head over to the wall? People on the way of that wall, they're going to be there to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure you get it. But let me pray for you as a group, and then we'll dismiss. Papa, we are so thankful for who you are and for your amazing love for us. You are such an awesome, awesome God. And, and I pray, Papa, that as we continue just to yield to you, to be led by you, to grow closer to you, that our lives will impact the lives of the people around us for you. That you would bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area. That hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. And ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You are such an awesome awesome God. If you need prayer this morning for anything, the folks over there will pray for you. Healing, relationship, problems, finances, situations, whatever you got. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's take care of that today too. It's humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us you've sinned. Asking God to forgive you, which He'll do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you have never done that, do it today. Best decision you'll ever make. If you need help, just go and ask somebody. I want to know Jesus. They'll know what you mean. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it.